Hi, my name is Megan Smalley, and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Lane Gaddy, who works for W Silver Recycling in El Paso, Texas. Lane has been with W Silver as its CEO for about 14 years. He's led the company as it's grown from just two locations to 11 locations in two countries. Outside the recycling industry, Lane is involved in the manufacturing, real estate, hospitality, restaurant, liquor, and finance industries in different capacities. As a fun fact, he was nominated as El Pasoan of the Year in 2015 and was inducted to the El Paso Business Hall of Fame in 2016. Thanks for coming on the show today, Lane. Of course. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Great. So to start things off, how did you get your start in the recycling industry? W. Silver uh, was founded by my great-grandfather, William Silver, which is where our name came from, sometime in the, the 19-teens, so we think it was 1918. I am third generation acting in the business, fourth generation um, by, by lineage, and I moved to El Paso in 2005 to actually shut down the, uh, the company. My grandfather asked me to come here as I was on my way to New York to start a job in finance. And I saw what was happening with the shift of automotive predominantly to Juarez, which is across the border from El Paso, and decided that I thought there might be an opportunity. So I decided to stick in El Paso and try and resuscitate the business, and that was now 14 years ago. Got it. And what was it like starting in the family business? Given that there were uh, very low expectations uh, because of how the company was performing at the time and had been more prolific in the 60s and 70s, the family side of the family business was not a challenge at all. There were um, other complications, however, in, in trying to learn Spanish and how business was conducted in Mexico and also learn the scrap recycling industry at the same time. It was a lot to take on. Got it. Now, you're also involved in other industries, such as real estate and hospitality. Could you talk a little bit about your work outside the recycling industry, and how do you make time for that? Sure. As my wife says, there are 24 hours in a day, and I like to use at least 20 of them to the best ability possible. Uh, so how that came about was from 2008 and 2009, and the, the Great Recession, as it's now been coined, looking backwards, it was just a wake-up call that uh, the super cyclical nature of the scrap industry is a lot to, to take and has very volatile effects on cash flows. And so really starting in 2009, looked out and decided want something that had much steadier cash flows and was easier to predict what the future would be. And so that really dove into real estate development and investment. And uh, through the last 10 years or so, we've been very active in building up a similar-sized uh, company that really compares to W Silver but has much steadier cash flows. So even though our heart may be in the scrap recycling industry uh, through 2009 or after 2009, that was a wake-up call that we needed some diversity outside the vertical. Got it. And how much are you still working in that capacity today? You know, it really kind of ebbs and flows depending on what's happening in both that sector and the scrap industry, but I'd say probably about half my time is dedicated to things outside of scrap, and that might be also community development and various boards that I'm on in addition to other businesses. Got it. And what's the El Paso community like, and how does W Silver play a role in the community? 
The El Paso community is fantastic. It is a very supportive community and one that I've, uh, I give a lot of credit to. I've had a lot of very strong mentors that have helped me both uh, with my personal successes and as well as business successes. So I, I owe a lot to the broader El Paso community. Um, there are a lot of challenges in this community, and especially right now we've become kind of the uh, battleground for the 2020 election. And so it's been interesting to watch from an intellectual perspective. It's also been difficult to be uh, boots on the ground with everything that's happening right now in the world and be kind of caught in the middle of uh, the, the fight between political parties. There are a lot of opportunities in El Paso, but a lot of challenges, but this is always home base and has been our core market. Got it. And what other communities is W Silver based in? I think you mentioned that it's in 11 different locations in two countries. Yes. So our furthest facility to the south is in Mexico City, which looking at a map is a pretty big jump. And actually all our facilities are pretty far from each other. We don't really operate uh, a feeder yard type structure. It's, it's all independent yards and we cover a lot of geography just given the area of the country we're in and how spread out we are. If you start north from Mexico City, you'll eventually hit Monterey, Mexico, uh, where we have two facilities and, a, and an office and a high-rise building, so really three different locations. And then if you keep going north from there, you'll hit uh, the McAllen area, the other tip of Texas, where we have a, about a 25-acre facility. And then heading west from there, you'll come across uh, El Paso, which we have three facilities uh, in right now and Amarillo, Texas, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then additionally, we just opened a Greenfield site in Calexico, California, which services Baja and Sonora. I'm also curious, what are some challenges that you faced in your career in the recycling industry the last 14 years? It's a great question, and I'm sure we won't have time to cover all of those um, on this call, but there definitely have been a lot of uh, challenges in the last, really since I came on board. And I think everyone's reasonably aware of how difficult coming out of the Great Recession was and how the, the, really the industry's been pretty choppy since then. It's never fully came back um, to where it was before, except for maybe last year, which I think just in general was a really good year for everyone. Um, so there's been, I would just call them general economic uh, cycles that have been challenging to work through as the industry has shrank. Um, politically, uh, and right now we're dealing with a lot of political issues that are creeping into the economics of the industry. For instance, the border has not officially been closed, but functionally has been closed since the end of March due to uh, immigration issues, sucking off Border Patrol's ability to check and inspect commercial trucks crossing. So there's a lot of items like that. And then if you look at security and safety risk, we do do a lot in Mexico, which has um, really had a very challenging time since 2008 with uh, murders and lawlessness and rule of law. So there's a lot of various aspects like that that we constantly are dealing with, and we have just given our business model a few more variables than most companies within the industry. Got it. And what are some successes that you've had in your career? I think I would really contrast those challenges with successes. So I think every challenge we've had or every difficulty would, would also mean that we're still here today and we've been growing through that environment. So I think those parallel very well 
um, which is we've been able to operate, you know, just kind of taking them in reverse order, we've been able to operate in Mexico given all those issues without having to uh, compromise on any of our values, which is not something we would do. We've not had uh, many employees directly hurt through safety, security, cartel-related issues in Mexico. And working further back from that with the border closures and some of the political risk that's out there, we've been able to play an instrumental role in hosting, hosting particularly um, House of Representatives members that have come through the area and had the opportunity um, on both sides of the fence to show what we do and what the region is like and why cross-border trade is so important. And then going back to just the challenges of the general economic environment, we've found a silver lining in difficult times, which has allowed us to grow market share, even though during some of the periods that have been out there, profits may be um, a little more anemic than at other times or perhaps not what we'd like, but we've, we've decided it's a good opportunity to go ahead and grow, and that has worked very well for us. That's cool. Now, what do you see as some of the biggest issues that the industry faces today and in the next couple of years? Personally, I think there's a lot right now, and I think a lot of them are not being talked about to the degree that they should be. Um, I, I see a very, very challenging time for the industry, not just moving forward in one to two years, but re really just that I see the future of the industry being very, very complicated. There's a lot of different things that are happening right now that I think are mostly going to have, unfortunately, all negative effects on the industry talking about short-term things like uh, the 232 pop that everyone got last year, uh, I would safely say is, has worn off entirely in the industry. Shipping to China, there's a lot of changes there where the non-ferrous sector is, is hurting quite a bit. Uh, manufacturing and what's happening in automotive is both switching away from steel into lighter um, autonomous vehicles, which is going to mean less consumption. And then if you look at manufacturing, um, I think a lot of people worldwide are realizing that these very long, complicated, sloppy supply chains that really have been very good for the scrap industry aren't really sustainable and need to change both from an environmental perspective as well as just an efficiency perspective. And then you couple that with what's happening in 3D printing and advanced manufacturing, and you can kind of paint a picture that, that there's just going to be less material needed in the future and less material generated and so once you start looking at all these different pieces, it, it, it paints a very negative picture for what the industry is going to look like, as well as the size of the industry one, five, ten, and 50 years from now. That was a lot of challenges. Now, with all of those you mentioned, what's impacting w, w Silver the most, would you say? So we keep our eye, um, or I should say our ear to the ground, and just do our best to understand what's happening and have always had a very flexible, nimble business model where um, we understand what we're doing today may not necessarily be what we're doing tomorrow. And so we have built flexibility and kind of a hybrid cost structure operating expense structure into our business model, um, just understanding that there's going to be a lot of things that are outside of our control and that for us to be successful, we're going to have to be more, more nimble and move faster um, than not just our competition, but also than just the broader changes that are happening in the industry. And coming to terms with that and accepting that, I think, is a very, perhaps the most important piece of the puzzle. And not to knock the industry, but I still see a lot of the mid-size 
and smaller businesses out there that are trying to fight what I would call inevitable change to the industry. And that, that's absolutely the position we do not want to find ourselves in, that whatever is coming and it's happening at a macro perspective is just reality and that we're going to have to tailor to that and that there's not going to be much we can do about that. Got it. Have you noticed any new technologies coming to the industry that you're hoping to see people embrace? Not really. I think you hear a lot about how um, the industry is finally seeing some technological change, but uh, given that, that we're involved in other industries and really seeing how transformative technology can be, I, I still think, even though maybe we've seen more technology in the last five to ten years in the industry than the previous hundred, that the industry is still far from being disrupted by technology, which is both a, a good thing and a bad thing. I think the one thing that I personally would like to see is um, a lot more systems that are cloud-based. And so we run all of our purchases and ultimately integrates to our software package, which is a cloud-based package. But yet we have to run a lot of local site-based servers, and it, it's just very difficult, and it's becoming harder and harder, as I think anyone would acknowledge, to run an IT department. Um, just with the demands from reporting and email and, and how users are interacting. And so we'd love to see uh, some of the purchase platforms really embrace the cloud, which is something that, that we think none have really successfully been able to do yet. Got it. And you mentioned a few challenges that the industry is facing. Where do you see the industry headed in the next five years, given some of those and some opportunities as well? It's a great, great question. And I think a couple of the things we'll see is the industry continuing to shrink. And I've seen some different data out there about the number of operations and people employed in the industry. But I think as everyone kind of recognizes, a lot of those numbers can be very subjective uh, based on how you uh, describe who's in the industry, not in the industry. There's been some technological change, which also affects employment numbers. So I personally would say I've seen the industry shrink substantially. You know, even going to, to things like Isri conventions, you see a lot more parts suppliers and machinery companies than you do companies that are in the actual uh, vertical space. And so if you ask me what I see happening in five years, I would say a smaller industry that is continuing to become more and more controlled by the ultimate consumers. Um, so similar to what's happened in the steel space, I think non-ferrous has a good opportunity for more vertical absorption where you're going to see the mills ultimately looking further down the, the purchase uh, scale to ultimately broaden what they're doing. Now, right now, in aluminum, for instance, we're not seeing that because there's just way too much material. But I think ultimately that will be what happens is um, we'll see that shift as well as just more shrinkage in the broader space. Got it. And what are your goals for the next five years? Are you hoping to advance more things with W Silver or some of your outside involvement? Yeah, um, definite concentration on W Silver. And the goals are to fill in um, some of the new space we've opened. So even though we may have only opened a couple new yards in the last year, those yards are significantly larger uh, by capacity than the yards we had previously been operating. So um, one one site, for instance, is a 60-acre site that almost has an infinite ability to purchase uh, steel tonnage. And so trying to maximize um, all of the capacity of all of W Silver's locations while continuing to invest in mechanical processes, uh, given that, that I 
my personal opinion, I, I foresee a federal hike to the minimum wage being mostly inevitable at this point sometime in the next two to six years. And I, at that point, a lot of what the industry does may be unsustainable unless there is mechanical um, investment into more machinery. And so looking at uh, filling in the capacity of all of W Silver's new locations, investing in more mechanical processes, um, as well as looking at some what we see some acquisitions that we've been uh, kicking the tires on but are waiting for uh, either multiples to come down a little bit or this cycle to play itself through to be able to fill in some of our geography is something that we are very interested in. Got it. And as a final question, what are some ways that you think the industry can be recruiting new young professionals into the field? I think that is a very uh, good question. It's a very difficult question to answer because we're competing with a lot more sexier spaces right now that are out there that are drawing some of the better talent. It does not mean that we cannot recruit great talent to the industry. I think, um, like anything, brand building and painting a picture and telling a vision of both how um, someone can come on board and quickly elevate themselves how dynamic and interesting the industry really is from from the perspective of just trash gets generated, recyclables get generated, and we'll always need to go somewhere. It is um, much more sustainable that there will always be an industry than some other industries out there that really are going to be disrupted and, and cease to exist. And so those are a few of the ways, but really no different than any other company. If, if you can tell your story to someone and ideally recruit straight out of college and get someone interested young, that, that I think is, is the best way to recruit talent that is out there. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the show today, Lane. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.